<laughs> hey, dog! Yeah? Be yourself! Cool theme! Oh, hey, why do you think they call it a theme park? <laughs> Once you've taken a dream flight, the fantasy flight of your life. Once you've taken a dream flight, the Earth's an inspiring sight. Please use the self-service elevators for your trip to the rocket jet flight deck. As far as we know, the oceans have existed for some four and a half billion years. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disney MGM Studios is proud to present W, w Radio, your information station. Hello and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 390 for the week of January 4th, 2015. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, videos, blog, live broadcasts, special events, books, audio tours, and more. Whether it's your first time visiting or have been hundreds of times, if you're planning a vacation or just love the history, details, and stories, there's something in the show for you. If you're a new listener, welcome. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and also visit www.radio.com. So this week, as we celebrate the new year, I invite you to join me around the table as we look back at the 2014 Walt Disney World Year in Review. We'll discuss what was new, what was lost, events, announcements, and changes along the way. We'll then speculate on what's to come in the future as we talk about our Disney predictions for 2015, and then I'll ask you to do the same. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned at the end of the show for details about our WW Radio 8th anniversary event next month and how you can be the first to find out about something new I'll be launching very, very soon. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. back to school, the holiday decorations go back in the attic, and you swear that this year is going to be different and the one where you finally start eating right and losing weight, I like to do a few things after the first of the year on my own. And I start off by not making resolutions, but by setting goals. And I set goals in three words. And this year, thanks to a friend who helped really kind of encapsulate exactly what I want to do as I focus, simplify, and grow, my three words are only what matters. But as I also like to sit back, relax, and reflect, I really do get kind of reflective and introspective on my life, both business and personally. And in doing so, I also like to look back at the year that was in Walt Disney World. And I want you to be part of the conversation and join me and some friends around the table as we take a look back and recap the 2014 Walt Disney World Year in Review. And so joining us around the virtual table are some friends that I think 
or hope will each bring a little bit of something of their own to the conversation. And I want to start off by introducing a woman who really needs no introduction for many reasons. You may remember her from, well, many years on the show. She's a partner and a sponsor and a friend. See, I get all weepy and sentimental as we turn the page to 2015. She is, of course, Becky Mankin from MEI and MouseFanTravel.com. <laughs> you actually got through that without comparing me to being one thing to the other thing for another I, thing. To, I, I guess it's early, though. I'm trying to start but, the but, year off on, on a new foot. Wait, wait. <laughs> you out, But, Lou, you outsourced your resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, my resolution, see, I don't do resolutions. I, my, my words this year was to focus, to simplify, and to grow. And somewhere that was coaching, she's like, yeah, Lou, only what matters. And I went, oh. <gasps> Oh my God, that's it. And so I've embraced only what matters. And you are and one of the go. people that kind of matters. At least for tonight's purposes, you matter. Wow. And uh, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> and by tonight, you mean now through d- December, December 31st, 31st. 2015. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. And uh, last and probably least around the table is Tony Caggiano. And I won't think back to how we met initially, my friend, but let's just say that Tony's been coming to so many Meets of the Months all the way back going to uh, 2008. So, Tony, welcome back. It's been a long time, my friend. Yeah, man. It's good to be back. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I'm just trying to – I'm just staying quiet so you're nice to me. We're off to a good start this year. You haven't been mean to me in like, well, 45 minutes, and I want to keep that ball rolling. Well, listen, we're four days in, so let's see what we can do. But look, so I, I thought what we would do is, you know, I, I like to look back on the year, and obviously hindsight is sort of always 2020, and kind of go through the year in Walt Disney World chronologically. And you guys are basically here because I know I'm going to forget things along the way. I want to talk about Walt Disney World specifically, but certainly... There was some, uh, you know, overlap into Disneyland, a little Disney Cruise Line, a little bit of Marvel, maybe a little thing called Star Wars were appropriate. And I also want to talk about the year at WW Radio and how things have changed and evolved and expanded for me and the show as well. So let's kind of go through it month by month. We could discuss it and you can ridicule me for forgetting the major events that uh, I, will, I will probably so eloquently forget as I start moving uh, on to the next month. But going back to... January of 2014, which now seems like eons ago. You know, when I say January, the first thing that always comes to mind is Marathon Weekend as we start to approach uh, this year's Marathon Weekend at Walt Disney World. Again, the the event and the weekend continues to grow far beyond the confines of, you know, the four endurance events and the kids races and things like that to the expo and to the meetups and to the friendships and things like that. Uh, we're going to see that even more so in the coming week. But in terms of things going on at Walt Disney World itself, it really was just about um, some things that they were getting ready for. And I think it's important to note that in January is when they start to really break ground on Avatar or the world of Pandora. And if you remember, a lot of times during 2014, there were the rumors like they're going to cancel Avatar. They're, they're canceling Pandora. They just bought Star Wars. It's not going to happen. But that plane has been in flight for a year now. And there's been a lot of construction. As now we start to see some uh, you know, overhead cams and some, some satellite images and things like that. There's a lot going on there for that opening in 2017. And I continue to be one of the, maybe one of the few, that is excited about 
what the possibilities for that land may be. Thoughts on Avatar, Pandora, as we're sort of now a year? We don't really see anything yet, but we know vertical construction is already taking place. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Beck. You're up. You know, when it first when I first heard about it, I w- I don't want to say it was leery, but you know the the entire blogosphere and the social media blew up with people who loved it, who hated it, and all this stuff. I kind of reserved judgment at the beginning, and I said, you know what? I really love the things that Disney has done in the past. I love their imagination they put into things, and I was re- I'm really excited to see where they went with this to bring this world. It's a really rich and vivid world. I'm really excited to see them bring this to life. And now as things are starting to leak out, and even when we were at D23, you know, going back two years ago now already, I can't believe that, and we saw the little, in the Imagineering um, pavilion, we saw the little things they put out there. I've, I've been getting more and more excited for it. And then I stayed at, this past trip in June, I stayed at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and from certain places driving around, you could start to see the cranes and the construction, and it's just building up to a fever pitch where I really can't wait to get in there and get a look at everything. I'm really excited yeah. about it. And and I agree with you. And part of it for me is that Animal Kingdom still has that reputation of being a half-day park, and I totally disagree with that personally. But Pandora has this possibility of bringing it into the nighttime. So I'm really excited to see that world at night. I'm excited to see the the water show they're talking about. I'm excited yeah. to see all of the things that um, that, that license and that, uh, that theming is going to bring to a park that needs a little bit of a refresher to get people back out there again and, and think of it more than just going out in the early morning to enjoy a safari, have something to eat and leave. I agree with you. And I've been saying all along, I think this is going to make not just a place to visit at night, it's going to be the place to visit at night when Pandora opens. So I, for one, am incredibly um, excited about it. Again, this is a conversation that will continue to develop as we start hearing more about the attractions and get some more uh, concept art and whatnot leaked out. Uh, Other things that they were doing, and again, it seems like this has almost been in play for such a long period of time, but they didn't really actually start even testing My Magic Plus until last year. And now My Magic Plus, yeah. and Becky, you certainly can see it from a, a travel agent perspective, is really starting to get more woven into the, the, the psyche and the fabric of the guest experience. It was so foreign at the beginning, but now as it's been in, in test mode for such a long period of time, and now part of the full experience, um, you know, kind of out of beta, people really have, I think, adapted to the idea of having the magic bands and making their fast passes plus and understanding that in the the past year the vacation planning aspect of their trip and the touring aspect of the trip has changed somewhat radically but not necessarily in in a bad way or a way that it's going to negatively impact the guest experience. Yeah, there definitely is a test and adjust phase and it's still within the test and adjust phase I'll say but it is getting better uh, we, we're getting a lot of uh, more positive feedback. I think initially there was a lot of pushback for people who didn't want to make all those types of arrangements um, that far out before they were actually going. They were afraid that it was going to uh, decrease their ability to be a little bit more spontaneous in their park visits. And Disney did a really good job by having a lot of boots on the ground when you walked into the park and you wanted to make changes or you wanted to um, make some adjustments in your plan. So uh, this this whole phase of 
making little changes. I think there's a lot more changes to come um, in, in improving the experience with, um, with My Magic Plus. And of course, we know that Disney's becoming much more comfortable with it, with the announcement that it's, uh, I don't know if it's official or not, but where they were stating online that uh, it's going to probably migrate its way over to Disneyland. So, as, you know, some wonderful quote that I love so much, there's really no turning back now on it. <laughs> and, and it is, it, it's kind of grown on me. At first, I was one of those people that, that kind of pushed it away thinking, ah, oh, it's just got me so narrow in this little hallway of what I can do. But as they've adjusted things and opened up things, I think we're going to see a lot more on that as well. Yeah, and I think not only is the... the the guest experience is going to change. I think the magic band themselves is going to change. It is going to evolve. I think we're still sort of scratching the surface of what that band is going to do in terms of enhancing the guest experience. Right now, it's just a matter of getting used to having the band, using it to charge, using it for fast passes, doing your stuff in advance. But just wait till everybody gets the hang of it and it is sort of part of the normal routine of every guest that they know what to expect that's when they're going to be able to start doing some of those enhancements and personalizations that are going to really change how your experience in the park is going to be on attractions and shows. Um, I'd also say, just to interject something else, the travel industry as a whole is embracing this idea because there's other, I know there's actually other cruise lines out there, but there's one in particular who, have, ha, who has taken on that that whole band experience so i think this is definitely something within travel that's here to stay absolutely yeah i and i even think that as far as like you were saying the test phase and see how it works out on a personal level for me when i first started working with the magic bands and making these fast pass reservations you know months in advance i i was less than thrilled with it you know it was kind of like you put those put in the things you want to see and it suggested times but as as I've learned the system, you know, as a guy who goes to Disney World often, very often, I've kind of learned the system and figured out really how to use it to work for me. And, you know, not really, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to give you a big example of, you know, how I go about doing it. But, you know, if you get in there and you learn the system, I like it more the more I learn about it. And the it's, it's becoming, e they're making it easier to use. And as I learn to use it, I, I'm enjoying using it more, if that makes sense. And I think your experience probably parallels many of the guests. Once you get used to it, you realize how to use it effectively, and it does make your experience a, a lot better. Uh, all right, let's listen. We're still stuck in February and January. Let's move on quickly. Couple wait, other, wait, wait, wait. What? Whoa, wait, wait, what? Before, whoa, you, say, wait. before I, I, you go to February. I'm not moving yet, I wanted, but I want to talk about okay. other things that happened in January. Whoa. Okay, you, go ahead. Do you think Sorry, I wasn't going to talk? Gonna, like, skip right ahead. Did you think I was going to leave January without talking about food? Come on, woman. Have you met me before? Are you new here? Uh, <laughs> Spice, Road, Spice Road Table opens up on the promenade in Epcot Center in the Morocco Pavilion. Um, opens interesting as a sort of tapas-style restaurant, originally only with um, no advanced dining reservations. It was sort of a walk-up restaurant, sort of testing it that way. They have now changed it. They revamped the menu a little bit, allow for advanced dining reservations uh, to maybe get a, attract a little bit more uh, people into the restaurant and just on a quick WW radio 
uh, aside in terms of what January represented, because of you, and I'm ta- speaking directly to you, the listener, because of you, WW Radio in January when I was out at New Media Expo was awarded uh, a podcast award again, and that is thanks to and because of and for all of you. So I want to mention that because it was a uh, it was a very exciting time, and it should be shared again with each and every one of you. Now, Becky Mankin, tell me what I forgot. Well, because. January was like one of my personal triumphs oh, for for 2014, and it was known by two words: sweaty hugs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was that was away my with that. Yeah, no way. There's absolutely no way because that was one of my best, most genius gets on you, and I am so still so proud of that moment when I was standing there thinking, "Do we really have to just stand here and do nothing? Let's do something and make it fun." And you're talking I about the marathon, out. by the way, just so people understand. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I wasn't just giving out sweaty hugs, you know, as I walked to the park. <laughs> okay, just oh, I I tweeted out to marathon runners that every sweaty hug that I saw being given to Lumangelo, and it didn't have to be just a hug. It couldn't be. It had to be a full-on sweaty. <laughs> Juicy hug, wildly and, inappropriate hug. Yes, uncomfortably. <laughs> normally, as they long were uncomfortably long hugs. We as well. would give money to uh, the dream team for Make a Wish, so we did raise quite a lot of money for Make a Wish, and that was one of my personal triumphs. So I, I just had to relive that for a moment and bask in the sunshine that that was watching you get all these sweaty hugs, and you thinking about all of the Purell and yeah. the wrapping yourself in cellophane. Um, this year, which I think is one of the things you were prudent. planning to do. Is that prudent. right? <laughs> I burned that. Sweat. Just so you know, I burned my sweatshirt after last year. So, All Okay. Right. Well, now let's, I feel um, better now. Let's move on to February. Not a lot, um, unless I'm missing, not a lot was really going on in February other than some changes in entertainment. And changes are normally often predicated, as they were here, by some losses. And this is something that... that as I was going through the year, it was kind of of a recurring theme. And, and we talk about the, the recap at the end. I think we're going to understand why as we look back with those twenty with the 2020 vision. But in terms of entertainment, push in the Magic Kingdom, the, the walking, talking, moving trash can in Tomorrowland left for good. We also um, had the loss of Miyuki, who was the uh, Japanese candy artist in Epcot, a staple of that pavilion. For, for many, many years, and the Zidi sisters uh, over in Italy, those were, and we'll, as we look back, we're going to sort of see like, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of some of the entertainment changes that we were kind of used to seeing in the parks. We were used to push. We were you know comfortable with push. We looked forward to seeing Miyuki. And as the year goes on, more of those acts and bands and things like that are going to be leaving and I think, when we, like I said, as we sort of take a, a, a forest from the trees view, we may be able to, just, to, to discuss why um, that was happening. Yeah, I think that, you know, some of those things, they've been around for so long. And Miyuki, I always enjoyed going there. I really my, brought my children there. It was, it was a great fun to see her. And it really, she fit really well in the, in the pavilion. Everything about it was cool. But for me, it, when Push left... I understand they need you have there's only so much space, so much money. So if you want to bring in new things and have things change and I'm all for it. But when push left, I was bummed just because it was something that was so different and so very specific to 
you know, Tomorrowland and the Magic Kingdom. And as a guy who goes there all the time, bringing guests down, I'm always, I always feel like I'm down there giving a tour for friends and family. That was always something that I really made sure we took a moment to see just because it freaked people out. You know, my, I have photos of my kids hugging a garbage can. And when people look at it, they, there's a photo of them in my, in my office right here of the two kids hugging a garbage can. And for people outside of the Disney loop, they look at it and it, it's always sparks a great conversation. It's just something that was so original, so neat. And that as simple as it was, push will be missed by the Caggiano family. And I left it open because I was wanted to see what if one of you and hopefully and I was I'm happy that one of you did. What one of you may have commented about push because I think what push represented was the first of a few of these type of things that there was really sort of an outcry about. You know, people have this sort of emotional connection to this this moving trash yeah. can. They have an emotional connection to Dreamfinder and Figment. They have an emotional connection to some of these other things that really started to bring out the passionate responses, for lack of a better word. And I think Push was really the first one in 2014 that we started to see of many. Yeah. And uh, that emotional response, I think that's the thing, is when you return to Disney World, whether it's 10 times a year, once a year, once every three years, you want to return to those things that made you feel good and see them again. Many times we return to wishes and we return to see the things that we want to see over and over again, the, the water pageant, you know. Or in your case, and the lounge, push, whatever it may be, right. <laughs> it, yeah, but mm. Mr. Fireball, um, which was another thing in 2014, by the way. Um, however... It, it really does – it's a missing piece when you return and you're looking forward to seeing those things that, that made your kids smile or made you smile and it's not there anymore. It does have an emotional reaction and I think that's what we saw. Yeah. Uh, so a couple other things on a, a personal WW Radio side. We celebrated the seventh anniversary of WW Radio, which technically isn't really true. It was really more like the ninth anniversary but seven years of actual the WW Radio podcast where we had a great time. We rented out a, uh, a a villa over at Disney's Old Key West. We did a live broadcast. We had food. We had friends. Really sort of enjoyed that that smaller, a uh, little bit more intimate type of experience. And in February, after um, lots of hype and lots of teasing on my part, I finally announced and revealed what is 102. And I and I had uh, released and published my latest book, which is 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World, which is like giving birth. I had it was like a year of labor, and then finally you give birth and it was a <laughs> for me it was a lot of fun to to have the what is 102 tease for about a month or so leading up to it you no know, did you did you do the princess or anything where was that one of the, the i wasn't down there for that because i was there for the for the birthday so did you did you show up did you cheer did you do anything for princess <laughs> i was there to, to cheer for the princess half marathon i did not participate in the Princess Half Marathon. See, I'm thinking you in a cute little ballerina skirt someday should be on the list of things to do for February. Just so we have enough to talk about in February. Moving on to March. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the construction in the Magic Kingdom hub begins in terms of, again, we talk about things that we're used to seeing. And the hub, which isn't an attraction, it's not a show, but... The landscape, literally and figuratively, was changing in Magic Kingdom. The swan boat landing was going to be gone. The, the moat was being drained to expand the hub out in Magic Kingdom. But as part of this expansion, as part of that growth, we also get a new parade. And the Festival of Fantasy Parade debuted in March. And I have two words for you, my friends. Dragon. 
the fire-breathing dragon is one of the most impressive, huge, like, sights that I've seen in any Magic Kingdom parade ever. Yeah, this parade, we've always gone to see, I love the night parades. I mean, they're epic. I've Since I was a child, I've always looked forward to them. I enjoy the daytime parades. Um, but this, for a daytime parade, this parade, to me, was... Like it was the next level of daytime parade. They really up there the game on this one. I love that parade. And yes, the dragon. I have a my boys are six and eight right now, and that's all they cared about is, a, you know, as we were passing by, we had to just be there long enough for them to see the dragon, and they could go back to their rides. They had to come over there just to see that every time we were in the parks during the day. And I'll tell you, I'm not normally a parade person per se, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned your boys because I think. With the Festival of Fantasy Parade, there were the there was the addition of uh, more princesses and a lot more colorful floats and dancing yeah. and music and things like that. And the costuming was was absolutely amazing. And it almost was like this this gigantic, dark, steampunky, fire breathing dragon was not necessarily, not necessarily for boys itself, but it definitely was something that I think boys. Definitely gravitated towards. You know, who doesn't? Yeah, what, what kid doesn't love a fire-breathing dragon? Oh yeah, definitely. Even when you saw if you, if you, the princesses, you'd see the princesses in the parade. But there was it was still cool. Like the floats and everything they did surrounding it was for a boy. You know, coming from a perspective of a father of two boys, it was really cool. And it, like you said, it was very. I don't want to say it's a masculine parade, but I think you know what I mean. It appealed to boys more so than some of the more fluffy fantasy kind of stuff that they used to have and you know just so you know like i know you i realize you're not a huge parade guy but next time i'm coming down we're in february we'll go see it and like i do with my boys the reason they love it as i put them on my shoulders so they can sing <laughs> so i'm more than happy to do that for you when i come down in february it wouldn't be the first actually wouldn't be the wouldn't first be the time he was on my shoulders <laughs> wait so we'll what? get him up there so he can get a good view at the parade there's Disneyland oh, pictures no. that just, it's okay. They don't need to be shared anywhere. <laughs> I, I guess I've missed something. Okay. Uh, you were standing there. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> what? Becky. Right. She, wait, still wait, couldn't, yeah. she still couldn't see me. Too, too many mimosas at Clip 33. <laughs> Becky didn't remember <laughs> the post-breakfast photos. All right, so some wow. other things that opened and closed. Uh, the uh, Epcot Flower and Garden Festival opened uh, the words that come to mind when I, for some reason, when I thought of Flower and Garden Festival was the Piggylicious Cupcake. Uh, any cupcake with, ba with bacon, you know, has to be good. Uh, the Illuminations Sparkling Dessert Party begins uh, over in Epcot. Becky, now, I actually haven't tried that. Have you done the Illuminations Dessert Party or have you booked it for clients? Uh, yeah, we've booked it for clients, and I have not done it personally. I've wanted to. As a matter of fact, they just opened it up again, and I was thinking about trying it when I'm there for this next trip coming up. Hello. Um, yeah. Research trip. Okay. Got it. <laughs> go. All right. I get you. So, yeah, we've had a lot of good feedback about it, especially for people who haven't had an opportunity to do um, one of the dessert parties in the past because you kind of get spoiled when you've got a reserved spot and you don't have to fight for it an hour and a half beforehand to really get a good view that has no nothing blocking. And most of the feedback that we've received so far is the desserts are really well done. They do, of course, have a little bit of, of adult beverage there as well to enjoy. And you've got a great full-on view of illumination. So uh, m most people have come back saying that it is um, a good value. 
I've heard that as well, too. I've heard from a couple of listeners that did it. They asked me if I had done it before because they said that they enjoyed it so much and they hadn't heard, it, heard me talk about it. So it maybe is something that we do need to try now that it is going to be back again uh, in 2015. Um, it's of, on the list. A couple of things, too. Um, over in downtown Disney slash Disney Springs, the beginning of the rolling of the closures really sort of started big in March uh, with the closing of Pollo Comparo, which, fine, the thing that people were upset about, again, that that attachment to not just the place, but I think it's people, was when Baby Cakes NYC closed. Uh, it is coming back. I'll sort of preface it by saying it is coming back. But that really started sort of the rolling closures over in downtown Disney. Uh, on the WWE radio side of things, uh, after a long time of, of behind-the-scenes work, we finally launched a, a new, updated, much cleaner-looking WW Radio website, um, and I just remember those days. You know, when you flip the switch and you switch a site from an old site to a new site, that's a very scary couple of hours as things start to uh, to propagate. Um, I also remember I was out in March. I was out in San Diego for a social media marketing world, and I came back in April, and what did I come back to? Lines upon lines at Epcot Center to meet Anna and Elsa, but over in April, they move over to the Magic Kingdom because people were so tired of waiting five and six hours in Norway, it was much better for them to wait five and six hours in the Magic Kingdom. And look, say what you will, and we could have an entire show discussion about Frozen, but the lines continue to speak for themselves. If you look at pictures, even here in January 2015, it's not much different than April 2014 when the the shows and the sing-alongs over in Disney's Hollywood Studios are still packing a full house. And the move of Anna El and Elsa from Norway to Magic Kingdom, um, you know, certainly didn't change the lines. And it ended, it ended up changing how they maybe do some uh, entrances into the into Magic Kingdom, but the lines continue to speak for themselves. Yeah, it's I couldn't believe what what's going on with that, you know. Once again, coming back to being a father of boys, I dodged a bullet on that one. Um, <laughs> seriously, because I was like, hey, when we're looking at the fast passes and we're booking, you can book a fast pass to meet them way out. And they, I mean, they're sold out instantaneously, it seems like. But it just wasn't an issue for me. But I could not believe when we went by and you see those numbers up there for a character meet and greet. Three hundred and forty minutes. It's it's incredible, you know. It's it's definitely popular <laughs> and you wouldn't see all of the merchandising and all of the wait times and all of the frozen things that they've turned over if it wasn't popular with the families right now. It sure has gripped them. And when little girls are going to Disney and the first thing they want to do is see Anna and Elsa, it definitely has reached a heart or two. And I've, oh. I've heard I've, I've not done that meet and greet. So I, I have not waited in the four hour line. There's very few things I would wait for and that would not be one of them but um i've heard that those meet and greets are really well done that that the characters are very interactive and so personable with the, the kids and i i think that they have a there's a good thing going right now and that's sure, part yeah. of the reason why the lines are so long is because of the type I, i've done it once in i've done it once in disneyland and i've done it here in walt disney world magic kingdom as well it is a very sort of intimate experience. They make every guest feel as though they're the only guest and the only person that they're going to see all day long. And I think that's why people are willing to wait so long for it is because the kind of experience they're going to have in there. Um, yeah. Even in the even when we went to meet Mickey, you know, Mickey talks to the kids. The line was a little bit long. I mean, it was 
compared to Anna and Elsa was nothing. We were there for 30 minutes or whatever. But when you get in there and the character is playing with my children, singing songs, they're running around like they're airplanes and they're Peter Pan. That made it all worthwhile. It's more than just a photo op. It was really an experience for the kids. Did he do the card trick? You got to get Mickey to do the card trick. No, I haven't seen the card trick. No, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, see, now you got to go back. Yeah, we'll have to go do that. Jordan loved it, and Dylan was like, when Mickey says, hey, Dylan's like, whoa. Like, he backed up. He wasn't having it when (laughs) Mickey started talking. So it was good that it lasted four, uh, five minutes because it took three and a half for him to warm up to Mickey <laughs> Lincoln and talking to him. That freaked him right out at five years old. Sorry, so quickly staying in uh, in Magic Kingdom, It's a Small World was celebrating its 50th anniversary, believe it or not. And again, Disney always sort of thinking forward. Uh, they did some testing, which didn't get a lot of press and publicity, but it certainly shows that Disney is aware of what guests are doing, what they want guests to be doing, which is spending some time on their phone tweeting and hashtagging, Instagramming and vining. So they test cell phone charging stations throughout the park. There was one that I remember. Hallelujah. Seeing, yeah, in, uh, in Tomorrowland, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the post area of Space Mountain, I think they have since been removed, but I would certainly expect those to come back um, probably in a slightly different form, certainly in greater numbers, uh, because Disney, and we'll see this as we talk moving forward, is definitely encouraging guests to be part, to, I'm not saying that they want them to be looking down at their phones, but they want them to be sharing their experiences and creating content while they are at the parks and using, and that's why they ha- they have upped the Wi-Fi service. They have That's why they've made and continue to improve on the My Disney Experience app. That's why they continue to actively engage people on an individual level on social media. And again, we could have an entire, maybe we should do a show about Disney and social media, Mm -hmm. both how they do it as a brand and how they do it in the parks and with their guests. Um, Over at Epcot, and Becky, this is something that you and I did, and I love, and unfortunately, they've, they've since ended it. I would hope that they bring this back, but we tested out more than once. The Epcot After Hours uh, events. Yes. We tested it at um, my favorite. Oh God! If you can't find me in Epcot, I'm probably at uh, Tutto Gusto, the wine bar. We also tested yeah. it in the UK, and we did. We also tested it at La Cava de Tequila. Each of which brought a different type of experience, whether it is with the the, the tastes or the 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 sampling of the tequila or just the experience itself. I think we we agreed. We not only did we love it, but well worth the. or so, whatever it was per person. Without question. I I would even go so far as to say I'd even pay a little bit more for what we got. What I think I appreciated most of all of those experiences is that each of the countries or each of the locations were very unique. It wasn't like you're walking in with a dining plan and you get one of this and one of this and one of this and here you go. Each of the countries had its own experience, its own options, its own choices. And I remember... Italy was the last one we did. No, uh, uh, Mexico was. Italy was in the middle. After doing the UK, it was kind of interesting to walk into Italy and get the whole different experience with a huge list of options where in the UK there wasn't as many options. So it was neat to see the variety that's available to people. Yeah, and I hope they bring it back. Uh, I, I hope they bring it back. We we didn't get to try Spice Road Table. That would have completed uh, the four offerings that they have. But I, I really, really didn't like that experience. And I think what people, too, were paying for was not just 
the food and the drink and, and the education, especially in Mexico in terms of tequila. But when you mm-hmm. came out, that sense of ownership and having Epcot to yourself, even just to sort of walk your way out and sort of take your time strolling through, I think that's one of the things that really appealed and will continue to appeal to people. Um, staying over at Epcot, just very briefly, um, in the in near, I guess near the end of April, um, if you are a, a, a fan of, or Disney history or Imagineering, Tom Fitzgerald, legendary Disney Imagineer, has been with the company forever, took over as the lead on creative direction over in Epcot. And I think what that does, I think that sort of is beginning to sl- quietly signal a potential change to what may be coming to Epcot in terms of a reimagineering of the park, maybe going back to some of those, you know, original thoughts and ideas and ideals that people are afraid or were very vocal about, you know, with the closing of things like Maelstrom that Disney was getting away from. I think bringing in somebody like Tom Fitzgerald spoke greater volumes than people might have realized at the time. And even, you know, nine months later, maybe we're not seeing it yet, but I think he was brought into that position for a very specific, a very deliberate reason. And I think as time goes on, we may start to see uh, a little bit of the, the trickle-down effect of maybe what Tom is going to bring to Epcot or why he was put into uh, into that position. Uh, on the WDW radio side of things, uh, I was up in Pennsylvania speaking to um, a number of students on a high school and middle school level, and we actually did an on-the-road event over at uh, Zwayland's Ice Cream in Pennsylvania. I had a great time, 100-plus whatever people showed up. This poor little ice cream <laughs> shop had no idea what hit them, but uh, really enjoyed being able to, you know, take that sort of experience and the the meat of the month type of experience and bring it not just here at Walt Disney World, being able to do it in places on the road. And thanks to to Dom Zamponi and and Christy for helping to to make that happen. Uh, May 1st marked the 25th anniversary of the Disney MGM slash Hollywood Studios. And there was a rededication. There was a motorcade, uh, fireworks. And just on sort of a, a nerdy history level, I think people just appreciated the fact that Disney was acknowledging, and they're starting to continue to acknowledge, going back to Epcot's 25th, these anniversaries, the five-year, the 10-year anniversaries of the parks and of attractions, even if it's not you know, a, a big deal being made of it, just the fact that they are acknowledging it in the parks, I think a lot of people really, really do um, appreciate. Uh, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, finally, after years of, of watching this mountain being built up out of the ground, Officially opened at the end of May, I think around the 28th. I know, Becky, we were there a little bit earlier for the preview and the media event. And, you know, this was sort of the, the crown jewel is, is what Disney's talked about it in terms of, you know, new Fantasyland and sort of completing new Fantasyland. And, you know, the reaction to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, again, if you just look at the standby queue, you know, being yeah. hours uh, at length. You know, I, I, I like the attraction. I've, I've always sort of um, described it as a three-act play in terms of what you get when you first get on the attraction. It sort of is a uh, enjoying the swing and the pitch and the role of the ride vehicle itself. And then inside, you've got that classic Disney dark ride attraction. I loved the rearrangement and the composition of uh, the song. And then when you come out, it's a little bit more Expedition Everest-y, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad-y, and then you get that payoff in the final scene uh, as you see the cottage. 
and it's a relatively short ride. But again, if you think about the relatively small footprint that they had to work with in that section of finish land and the fact that you could walk around 360 degrees, this beautifully, you know, built piece of imagining. And that's what I, you know, when I look at an attraction, I don't necessarily look at it just from the ride itself. I look at it from what, you know, from an engineering perspective, from an imaginary perspective. And that mountain, you know, there's so many different angles to look at it from, I think is just beautiful. And I love the kinetic element that it adds to New Fantasyland. That yeah, it, plus, it, one thing that I really enjoyed about it, which you kind of skipped over, was the queue. The queue itself going in and all the interactive games and the jewels and the barrels and the water and that actually has stops up the line a lot because people are playing with those and forget to move on and other people behind them aren't moving past them because they want to play with them too. And I I think that that was kind of masterful. I agree. And I think that's going to continue to change. And again, tying into the My Magic Plus, your, your magic band, what you're seeing now in the queues is the tip of the the entertainment and the personalization and the interactive iceberg. And I think your magic band is eventually going to play a big part mm-hmm. of that uh, as well. Yeah, I didn't get to, I wasn't at the opening for the mine train, but when we went in June was the first time I got to experience it. And I was, I was blown away. I haven't enjoyed a ride. Disney's had incredible rides over the past 20 years. Some of the newer rides are just mind blowing. But I haven't enjoyed a ride on that level since in the early 90s when I went on. I was there for Splash Mountain when it first opened. I mean, it is immersive. You're really it's like you're in a cartoon. It's just everywhere around you. And the ride itself for what for a ride that that nearly the whole family, only very small children really can't ride it. But really a ride that little kids and adults, everyone in between enjoys. I just thought it was incredible. And then when you you ride it. And you really, the carts are swaying and you feel like you're moving. Then I got off and my wife, Charlene, went on with the boys and I watched them come around that last turn. And I'm like, I, I thought we were going four times as fast as it was. And it's really like you see it come by and it's like it putters by you. But when you're on it, you're so into it and the carts are swaying. I just think that it it's a, a ride. It's on another level as opposed to some of the other rides. I'm just, I think it's just one of the greatest rides they've put out in the last 20 years. And once I meet the height requirement, I look forward to riding it myself. A um, couple of things too. We saw a lot of concept art coming out in May. We saw the designs for the updated Disney's Polynesian Village Resort and Bungalows. Also Trader Sam's, which got a lot of people very excited. We also, and I think the thing that really got me going was seeing concept art for things like Rivers of Light, like we were talking about before over in Disney's Animal Kingdom as we were talking about not just additions to attractions and bringing life back to that beautiful river again, but what it's going to be like at night. Obviously, we had Star Wars weekends beginning in May. Again, I think as Star Wars weekend comes in 2015 and 2016, that event is going to change possibly dramatically. Um, and I mean that in, in a good way in terms of the expansion of offerings that are going to be coming to the parks. Look, you know, that was Mark Hamill's first time coming to Star Wars Weekends, and I think that's going to potentially usher in a uh, a new, new attention and new types of experiences maybe coming to Star Wars Weekends. There was also the Rock Your Disney side 24-hour event uh, near the uh, end of May, and this is what I was talking about earlier in terms of Disney reaching out to guests, not just to share content, but really making a big push in social media and allowing guests to help 
create content that Disney was resharing. And from a social media perspective, I, I thought that was really brilliant on that part. Even as you know, tweets probably got weirder and weirder as you approached the twenty-four hour <laughs> mark. Having done it, having done a twenty-four hour live broadcast in the past, we know exactly what uh, <laughs> what it feels like uh, to do that. Uh, I also did a couple of on the roads too. I actually was um, I did a, a spot in Atlanta. Uh, did an on the road meetup there too. Uh, again, this was such a great testament to the community that you guys create where people drove like seven hours in the rain to come and have tachos uh, at, at this little restaurant on the park. And, you know, uh, later on, I actually was able to go up to and just because I used to watch it and play picks on my TV as a kid, uh, <laughs> being able to do a spot in New York on uh, Channel 11 WPX, which I grew up watching, you know, the, the little the magic garden and this the schoolhouse and things like that was uh, just a geeky little uh, thrill for me as well. Uh, in June, uh, and this is where, you know, in June, uh, there's a lot going on. And I think as we start to look back on this year, I want you to, there's a lot going on, a lot of changes. And I think maybe more than people recognize took place over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So, for example, the new Lion King Theater opened in Africa it's bigger, it's brighter, it feels like it's been there forever, incredibly well-themed. One thing they added, which I loved, and I love these type of events, which is early June, they started something called Harambe Nights, which was a special nighttime event on Saturday nights that had appetizers and beer and wine, and it had a new show in the theater. There was a street party later on, and even at prices that started, I believe, at like $120, that event was sold out every single Saturday night. So what does that tell you? People like these kind of events. They certainly like these kind of events, especially at night over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, right? What else we see happening there? The Jam and Jungle Parade closes, but we also start to hear more about Avatar from James Cameron himself. So we're starting to get more in terms of what this experience is going to be like. We're hearing it not from rumors and Usenet news groups and discussion forums, but we're actually hearing it from Disney itself as they start to trickle out information, sort of whet our appetite for something that's not going to open really for a couple more years. And I like the, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a fan of Disney's Animal Kingdom. I, I don't believe it's a half-day park. I think it's a two-day park, and that's going to continue to change as it grows. But I like to see the additional offerings that they're bringing in. Like this Harambe Nights reminded me of that Taste of Africa street party that they had a couple of years ago, which I loved, and I hope that they keep on doing these kind of things. And I don't mind paying, uh, you know, an extra ticket on top. You know, we do it for the Halloween party, we do it for the Christmas party, and for something like this, which is not necessarily holiday specific, I I, I totally enjoy these things as well. I love those opportunities to do something new and unusual and experiences that you don't normally get during the daytime in the park. Um, I'm with you. I didn't get a chance to do Harambe Nights. I heard mixed um, feedback on it early on. I don't know how much testing adjusting they did by the time they were done with it, but there were several people who did really enjoy the experience. So I hope they continue to do it as well. Yeah, so a couple of things too. <clears throat> excuse me, the Marketplace Co-op opens in downtown Disney slash Disney Springs. And I mentioned that because that was the closing of the Team Mickey building. But the Marketplace Co-op was really sort of like it, it's sort of a number of different pods in a in a single store. So 
and there's the D Tech Me, and there's a place for uh, you know makeup and and women's fashion, and there's sort of a, a sports section too. But there's also a section where there's a lot of merchandise themed towards the Disney parks, and that that centerpiece is where people's attention and probably dollars, seem to really gravitate to where you can get a lot of things themed to Adventureland and there's Mr. Toad stuff and Haunted Mansion thing. And I think Disney really pays attention to what guests are looking for. We want to, you know, put these kind of things, we want to bring them into our homes, whether it's home decor or home furnishings or pillows or mugs. Look, I'm drinking out of an Adventureland mug from the centerpiece that I got for Christmas right now. So I am definitely one of those people. To that point, the Yankee Trader closes over in uh, uh, Liberty Square in Magic Kingdom. We know what eventually opens there. We'll get to that when it opens uh, in a couple of months. Uh, over in downtown Disney, the D23, uh, D23 has their member mixer, which I was able to attend to. And I mentioned it because I have always been a fan of D23, and I continue to like the fact that they do things like this to really foster that sense of community, which I think is what predicated and was sort of the catalyst for creating this community of Disney fans and by not limiting it to big events, big ticket events like the Expo every other year, allowing people to come and just get together and meet one another and sit at tables with Imagineers and just eat and and talk. I think that's what something like a simple member mixer at House of Blues was doing. And near the end of the month, uh, an event that I missed last year but continued to enjoy going to, again, some of the best events are ones that are started by the fans, the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet uh, up in beautiful downtown Linwood, Washington is, uh, <laughs> is always a blast to go to. And once again, that was an awesome, awesome um, show that we did up here and got to meet some new people. And it was really a, a fun time. But don't forget, the other thing that happened in June. The other doo, thing that happened doo, in doo. June. I see. Yeah. I, I got nothing. <coughs> Roanoke. <laughs> oh, we went see. We went to Roanoke. Yes. <laughs> I know. Speaking of For Disney one fan of the events. Best, one of the best dinners I have ever had yeah. at a Disney fan event. That's right. Uh, Chuck Lionberger, the Disney daddy, uh, put together the Mouska Meet uh, in Roanoke, Virginia. I was actually up there speaking at, at a couple of um, at a couple of business conferences and things like that. And we had a great day together, but the the Haunted Mansion themed dinner that they put together at night was simply spectacular. And hopefully, they're not going to do it this year, but maybe uh, in 2016, Chuck will do that again. Uh, Over in in July, I think two things happened. Two wildly successful things happened that nobody saw coming in terms of being as popular as they were. The first, inside the Disney parks, was the frozen summer fun at Disney's Hollywood Studios. The ice skating on Soundstage 1, the wandering Oaken's outpost, the dessert party as part of the premium package, and the frozen sing-along celebration, which continues to pack the house every single show. You know, we talked about how nobody really saw Frozen coming in terms of its impact and its continuing impact. You, Some people might call it a fad. A fad. I, I think not when it continues to... Uh, go and grow the way it does. But something else that I think came out of complete left field, most people really didn't know, unless you were a hardcore geek, and I mean that affectionately, when you heard about this movie called Guardians of the Galaxy coming out, you're like, <laughs> Star-Lord had it right. Like, Disney was, I, I love the commercial because even Star-Lord was like, who? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Obviously, he was asking Star-Lord. I know he Star-Lord didn't say it. But 
I don't think anybody except, you know, the, the comic book fans that knew about who Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon was was looking forward to that movie. And I will tell you something. I, I know I was not alone. I was blown away at just how well done and how fun. And I will tell you, I've seen it no less than 12 times since July. Say, Four wasn't times that when you went back in, you went back in, and you went back in, and you went back in? <laughs> and we saw it on the cruise. Like, it went on the cruise, and, and we couldn't wait to see it on the cruise. And you bought the star, uh, the um, album, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I, yep. <laughs> right. You, like, you walked out of the theater, and we all downloaded Awesome Mix Volume 1. And then explain, oh, I, and then explain to our kids. No, kids, these these songs are really forty years old. I bought the album while my wife took the boys to the restroom as we left the theater. <laughs> we we had it and when we got in. The, I'm not I'm not even joking. When we got in the car, Uga Chaka, boom! As soon as the car started, it was cranked up, and we had the windows down, and people in the parking lot are yelling and waving their arms at us, and I saw it. With my family three times in the theater, I snuck back on a day off. I, I can't remember the last movie I saw four times in the theater. And I think since I, my kids got it for me for Christmas, and we've watched it seven or eight times since Christmas. I had to, unfortunately, I had to wait until Christmas to get my copy because my boys were obsessed that they needed to give this to me as a gift. We have, it's just crazy in my house as far as, you know what it is? It is the frozen of the That's Caggiano house. It is yeah. unbelievable. That's, it's frozen for the boys, basically. It is. I, it took house? me forever to actually see it myself. And I wanted to know what this whole thing was about a Groot. I did, oh, it's, didn't get oh, it. It's unbelievable. Didn't we until I finally Groot. saw it. And it, that really was a, a well-done film. And it's going to have that same type of impact. And I don't know how many times you've used the word geek and nerd in the past hour or so that we've been talking. <laughs> but that definitely did pull on several of you to return and buy the soundtrack. And, yeah, good job on yeah. their part, yeah. for sure. And, and we, look, have, go ahead. we have 20 different we – ha- we sincerely have 20 different uh, T-shirts – from the from the movie, my kids' <laughs> backpacks, sweatshirts, and there's a, a a listener of your show, Lou, named Katarina Whitmarsh, who made me a cut. You know, have you seen what she did? No. She made me a custom molded baby Groot. She what? sculpted. Wow. Yeah, I saw it. I said <laughs> I need to have that for my son, and she made a couple of them. And she sent me one. Wow. I, I'm actually going to send you a photo of it. It is a a sculpture she made out of clay and and painted it and it's in a pot with moss it is unbelievable before right, anyone wait, was so, selling these things wait Katarina I'm just saying I have a like, oh my goodness <laughs> it's I, unbelievable I I need, I'm going to send you a picture to post it's that good how long is it going to be before we see uh, four hour wait lines for meet and greet for these guys <laughs> well I will tell you I was surprised and when we and it'll actually lead me into into August I was surprised we when when American Idol closed Five months earlier than they said that it was, I said, oh, they must be planning something. And I was like, I wonder if they're going to, like they did with Frozen, quickly put together something based on Guardians of the Galaxy. And I sat outside of, of American Idol Theater, like, praying that they, they would do it. And I was surprised <laughs> that they didn't. And who knows what might be coming, because obviously now they've announced Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, which is coming. I, I don't, obviously, it certainly does not have the same impact as Frozen, but I think for... Not necessarily just boys. I mean, look, my, my my wife and my daughter love it as much as me and my son do. So, uh, the I don't think that the Guardians of the Galaxy craze is is gender specific. I don't think it's over by a long shot either. Um, that does lead me into August. American Idol closes. Um, 
Captain Cooks reopens. We did a live restaurant review with aforesaid family. We loved Captain Cooks and still do. Uh, the TTA reopens with some new colors, a little bit of a, a little update to the decor, which makes me wonder if that's the beginning of some changes that may be coming to Tomorrowland as a whole. Um, over on Epcot, again, I love Epcot forward thinking, future thinking. They open some electric vehicle charging stations. So if you've got your Volt or your Tesla, whatever it may be, you can actually charge your car in the Epcot parking station. I don't know what a kilowatt hour actually translates into, but it's like 35 cents per kilowatt hour. I know what a gigawatt slash gigawatt is, and that's about <laughs> it. Um, Disney releases the story, and they create a, and I love this. I love, love, love this. I love the designs for Disney Springs. I love the fact that they create a backstory for it, and already they're, they're wanting to feed you to let you know what that story is. That's what Pleasure Island, that's what Downtown Disney has never had. Nobody understood. It didn't know what it wanted to be. Nobody knew who Meriwether Pleasure was, nor did they really care because they were too busy doing jello shots in front of the Wild Horse Saloon. I like the fact that they are making story paramount and sort of starting to lay the groundwork for it a year after it officially opens. Now, unfortunately, because of the construction there, Festivals of the Masters was canceled um, this year. And there's an event that took place at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios capitalizing on the success of the previous year's Villains event, the Villains Unleashed event at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now, I was not able to go. I don't think you guys went either, but I think we may have been the only people on the planet who didn't go because it was a very, 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 very crowded, dare I say, oversold event. The The theory of the event and was great in terms of what they were offering. The execution may have not gone as well as planned because there was maybe too many bodies in there. So I would hope that if they continue this, which I think they should because it's a great concept, I hope that they, and I think that they will, I trust that they will learn from the mistakes made at this year's event in terms of the crowds, not being able to get to see what you want and being able to get the merchandise that you want and, and redo it again next year. Speaking of events, we also had our WW Radio cruise this year and our pre-cruise Atlantic Dance Hall event. I will tell you, I continue to love and look forward to the cruises every single year. I loved our sort of pre-cruise land and never land and sea event that we had at the Atlantic Dance Hall. A little surprise visit by Peter Pan. And, you know, this is the first time we did a cruise in the summer. Next year, we're going to Alaska. We have we just announced our, our special guest, too, Ron Cohey from uh, Disney Design Group, is coming Alaska has been on my bucket list. I, I cannot wait. June is coming in, what, 150 some odd days. Um, Going to be a very different experience than what we have done in the past. And I actually traveled out to Dallas for podcast movement. And again, you, you guys in the community continue to amaze me in terms of the friendship and the support that you extend and this community that you guys have built. I was after speaking at a conference and thought we were going to have, you know, 15, 20 people show up at a restaurant one night. And lo and behold, there's 70 people down there waiting to, to try and find a seat. But uh, it was a blast. And I'm incredibly grateful to everybody that came out and was incredibly patient as we tried to uh, to seat everybody. Uh, I'm quickly moving into uh, September. I want to talk about some of the things that uh, were happening there. Um, we just did a show not too long ago about Disney and special needs and, and how well... 
they handle and adapt to special needs. They actually were testing uh, allergy-friendly menus in places like Flying Fish Cafe and Sci-Fi Dine-In and some of the food courts, which really meant that not... Look, at any point you can go and ask to have special items made. Well, now they had allergy-free items on the menu um, that gave guests the ability to not have to actually speak to a chef. I believe that that testing is over. Uh, I I think it only ran for about a a month or two, but it certainly shows that Disney is cognizant of it, and they're trying to make the experience even better for those guests that have special needs. I do want to talk about, again, some of these things that were eliciting emotional responses from guests and fans and nostalgics, because a lot of long-running Epcot entertainment came to an end, and that was the World Showcase players, Mo Rockin, the Fife and Drum Corps, and I think an emotional, a, a, a fan favorite for a lot of people was Off Kilter. And there was a lot of discussion, a lot of debate as to why this was happening, what did this mean, you know, bring back Off Kilter, petitions were being signed, I, we, we've talked about this on the newscast before, and without getting into a, a discussion or a debate about it, I think what, guys, I think what this shows too is the love and the passion that Disney fans have for their park that I just don't see elsewhere. I don't see that that brand loyalty. I don't see that loyalty to the parks and the entertainment and the performers that clearly guests have. They have these connections with these people. And like you said, Tony, it becomes part of your quote-unquote routine as you go back. You look forward to seeing off kilter. You look forward to the fight yeah. and drum corps. Even if you didn't stop and listen, you sort of liked being able to at least hear it across. And I think that's why it elicited the kind of response that it did. Yeah, I think that when you're going often, like like we all do, there's a comfort to that. When you're walking by and you and off kilters firing up and I feel like I mean it takes you back. Think of how many years has it been? You know, it's it's so many trips for it could be 50, 100 times you've walked by there and you know, get a beer in England and you just relax and sit there. And when you're walking by and Moroccan's playing, you're at the Tangerine Cafe. Even if you're not actively going over there and sitting and watching the entire show, there was this real comfort to it. And for me, when it's gone now, you're a little I was a little bit bummed, but you've always said it's it's not a museum. This isn't a museum here. Things change, and that's the point is to move ahead. I'm excited to see what else they offer. I may not like it. I may love it. I don't know, but I I will it will be missed. There is a there's something gone now, but I'm hoping that Disney, I trust in Disney that there'll be something else new to fill the space. And I think that's it. I think it's not, you didn't, you don't miss it because when you got to Disney World, the first thing you wanted to go do was go and see the oh, World no. Showcase players. But it it's not like the same type of thing as like you miss an attraction. You miss Mr. Toad because you liked riding it. People say they missed Horizons. Well, maybe they don't. They didn't miss Horizons because they probably weren't riding it as much as they thought they did, or else it wouldn't have closed. But I, I do understand why these things do have to go and, and why they do have to change. And look, you know, these close. The Backlot Tour closes, an attraction that's been at Disney's Hollywood Studios practically since really since day one. Yeah. And there's not that much of a backlash for the Backlot <laughs> Tour, a, a huge attraction, really sort of at the time. It was the attraction when the park opened as it, oh, it was, was huge, for remember? entertainment acts in Epcot. Right. right. Yeah, that, that attraction, when it opened, that attraction took up 
a quarter of your day. It was you went on the back tour and then you got off. Remember, you would walk through. It was through two hours, right. And yeah, and you would they would be filming on. I remember I have a video of us sitting on the giant bumblebee against the green screen, all of that good stuff. But I don't know if it's maybe I miss the thing that I'm said is I'm not I didn't run to Epcot to see off kilter. And it's like, I'm not going to Epcot anymore because off kilter is not there. That's not the case. But it's almost like you miss the idea of it being there, the comfort, knowing as you walk around World Showcase, kind of you expect the traditional things to be there, the traditional sound, sense, feelings. And when those change, there's always going to be pushback. But you know, I'm excited to see what comes next, to be honest. Coming next, exactly. Yeah. And for those families and those people who've never been before and they're going to go for the very first time in six months or a year from now, all of what's new to us is going to be new to them and creating their memories and hopefully recreating memories for us. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, I'm with you thinking that Hopefully what comes next, they know what Disney knows what they're doing. They're going to bring entertainment, quality entertainment for families. And it's going to be hopefully a never ending cycle. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of the things that have come to replace it. As I was about to go into October, I quickly looked at my personal calendar and saw a couple of things. <laughs> uh, last thing on a Disney side of things, Disney Infinity 2.0 launches. I will tell you that we didn't sort of latch on to Disney Infinity 1.0, but when you launch Disney Infinity 2.0 and you have all the Marvel characters and you've got Groot and Rocket Raccoon, all of a sudden I'm going, you know what, maybe I do need to get Disney Infinity 2.0 after all. Um, on my personal calendar, I looked, and one of the most unique things I think I've ever done in sort of this whole Disney thing was I, I was reached out to by a Japanese film crew that said that they were coming here <laughs> to, to film a show. Don't laugh. To film a show. Oh, it's, it's spectacular. Post Walt the link. Disney. Tell everybody. People need to see this. <laughs> I've seen the video. They, like, I have since seen the on your head and look, stuff. Look, all I know is do? I spent oh, two days. Goodness. I spent two days with me and the host of the show where they were talking about how Walt Disney World is sort of the number one vacation destination in the world. I have no idea what the guy said for two days. It was one person translating. Um, we had a blast. I, I don't know what, but I have since seen video of the show and I'm afraid to have somebody translated for me because they're translating me. It's like watching like a bad Godzilla movie. Like they're translating me and then people are hysterically laughing and I'm oh, wow. like, I don't think I said something funny there. So <laughs> but uh, to anybody oh, who saw it in Japan, Domo Arigato. Please get it. Please, yeah. please, please. Get you it. have a better chance of, the, of seeing the videotape of me performing in Greece and high school than you do of actually seeing <laughs> me in... Just the screenshot is worth its weight in gold, folks. <laughs> this, is, this is the point about this because if you don't know, then your mind is going to take it to a whole nother level. And if you know a lot about Japanese t TV, it's all about game shows and how much they can dump on your head. So <laughs> I can only imagine what this this had to have been like. And now I want to see it. I'm well, Googling now. I'll, just, I'll leave it to your imagination. All right. So let's move into uh, quickly into October. I want to hit on a couple of things first, then we'll, we'll come back to the the giant Yeti in the room. It is obviously the 40th, 43rd anniversary of the Walt Disney World Resort in the Magic Kingdom. Memento Mori opens in Liberty Square. I love, love, love this store. It is 43 years late because we've all been dying, pardon the accidental pun, for a haunted mansion-themed merchandise store. I think it's done brilliantly in terms of the quantity and the quality and the diverse number of items that they have. And I think that the lenticular 
ghost portrait that mm-hmm. you can get there for $19 is a amazing souvenir. I just love, love the theming of that store. It reminds me of Disneyland where you go into a certain land or you go to a certain attraction and you find things that are specific to that attraction. I think Disney is paying attention that that is what we as guests want. I hope that trend continues in Walt Disney World. That being said, the Island Supply Store in Adventureland closes and is going to become a sunglass hut, so maybe they're not necessarily <laughs> going with that everywhere. Um, the Astro Orbiter reopens in Tomorrowland. Again, I think that is just a tip of some changes that might be coming eventually to Tomorrowland. Uh, there are some new interactive glow-with-the-show elements uh, made with magic items, like the wand where you can change people's uh, glow-with-the-show ears. Again, they're making the experience much less passive than they are trying to make it a much more interactive experience. And one where you not just interact with your environment and the shows and attractions, but hopefully with other guests as well. Uh, Disney Springs construction, well underway. Uh, They announced, and I'm excited about both of these for different reasons, Morimoto Asia and the Boathouse Restaurant. It's a, a Steve Schussler creation. I can say now, because they've since they've already announced what it's going to be, that I remember much earlier in 2014, them testing the the, the boats. That they're basically, and they actually used to have these in the 50s. It was sort of a novelty thing. There are cars that are shaped like boats that can literally drive from the ground, from the the the, the, the pavement or whatever, into the water, and they're going to have yeah. those on the the waterways in front of Disney Springs as part of this whole boathouse theming. So I totally dig that um, and and what this boathouse dining experience is going to to be like. Uh, Staying in the Magic Kingdom, the new new Move It, Shake It, Dance It, Play It street party opens. The D23 fan anniversary comes to uh, Walt Disney World as well. I like the small, intimate, uh, historical type of playing into the hardcore nostalgic Disney fan things that Disney does. One of my favorite overlooked, if you haven't been, you have to go to events. The Swan and Dolphin Food and Wine Classic took place at the end. As much as I love the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, I love the Swan and Dolphin (laughs) Food and Wine Classic. I know, that was kind of passionate. Um, We did. Oh, he meant that. Oh, let me tell you, the glasses came (laughs) off like for full effect. Uh, We had an amazing event. Look, something that's been on my bucket list for so long, and Becky, thank you for helping make this happen the way only Mouse Fan Travel can do. We had our Twilight at the Tower event, and I have always wanted to have dinner or have a meal up on the balcony of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. We were able to pull that off on Tower of Terror weekend. We had 30 friends get together. Lots of fun, lots of surprises. Would love to do that as well. Uh, But let's sort of talk about the the big thing that happened in October. And I think this is where, man, there were lines drawn in the sand. Like clear, definitive, you better pick what side you're on. Because when Maelstrom closed... Nobody said anything anything at all. It pretty much just went away <laughs> very quickly. Um, <laughs> it brought out, you know, and I use passionate response uh, in air quotes because I cannot remember anything that not just elicited this kind of response, but one that um, people sort of took sides. You know, people took sides on it. If you were a fan of it, you... Some people didn't like that. If you if you were not, or if you if you understood why it was happening, it was very interesting because I don't think Maelstrom, for the most part, 
was the attraction that Tony ran to with his kids as soon as they got to Walt Disney World. No. We liked it for nostalgic reasons, but uh, you know, again, it shows, and this is my only comment about this, it demonstrated the love that people really have for this place and, and for their memories and just how important they are. No matter what side of the fence you were on, no matter what you thought about the, the Maelstrom and Frozen and the Yeti and the Trolls or whatever else it may be, for the most part, most people had, you know, a, a definite type of, and I keep using the word emotional response because that's really what it was. Well, I have a question about that, and I'd love to know what you two think about this because as you look back at Maelstrom, how many of us, a like you said, ran to the, the thing and or made that a stop on every single time you're in the park? So I'm wondering if that response, if that pure internal response came from people who were more upset that Frozen was res- re- replacing it or is it because there was, there was a huge line of closures and that was just like the tip of the iceberg for all the things that were going away or the announcements of things that were going away or closing and that just seemed to be just another straw on the back of the camel was is do you think the response came from people who really loved Maelstrom and didn't want to let go of it or is it in response to the other elements like Frozen and or just it, the sheer amount of things? It's, it's the ex-girlfriend effect, right? And it, the same thing happened with the Adventures Club, right? You don't realize how much you miss somebody until they tell you that they're going, right? People, The Adventures Club was not packed every single night, but as soon as they announced it, they're like, no, no, please don't leave. I love you so much. Like Just like your girlfriend. When she leaves, all of a sudden you don't want her to go anymore. I think that's what happened with Maelstrom. The pe- and, and I might be wrong, but the people who necessarily were very vocal probably weren't going on Maelstrom five times you know, on every vacation. They probably rode attractions like Splash or some of the other more popular attractions, but it was this idea that, oh, you're, you're, cha- you're taking away memories of my childhood. You're changing something that I fondly yeah. remember. I don't think closing the attraction taints or takes away those memories at all. Right. I think Frozen, this Frozen attraction is going to create brand new memories for a new generation of kids that are going to resonate with much more than probably my kids or Tony's kids ever did with Maelstrom. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure not arguing that whatsoever. It's it's just coming down to the the question of is that pure visceral response due to all of the changes or due to what's coming in rather than Maelstrom just going away. I don't you know for I mean? me it, it was yeah it wasn't part of the bigger picture as far as closures and changes. Yeah. That's I dig that man. That's what I I look forward to. Every time I go back to Disney that's World, I, I'm up here in New York and I haven't been there in 6 months which for me is a huge stretch of time to not have been there honestly. But every time I go back, I can't wait to see what's new and what's changing. As far as the maelstrom going away, on a per- personally, I'm only speaking for myself because everybody will start yelling why. For me, <laughs> well, they do every time. Oh well, it's this and that. I Tony am Cash on a Twitter. little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I am a little bit the guy who I I missed old Epcot. I thought Epcot was cool. I thought Epcot was cool when there were no characters there. That was that's me, you know. But that's my childhood. That's going back. That's going back to that comfort zone that I talked about walking around World Showcase. It's all part of that. Maelstrom, I, I did enjoy Maelstrom. Me and my boys went on it. But if I walked by and it said Maelstrom 25 minutes, 30 minutes, we went and got a pretzel in Germany. <laughs> we didn't go in there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like, can we hit that and yeah. get out? Fine. If it was 30 minutes, if I went in there and when I stopped, I was still back by the Norway flags, I'm out of here. I turn around and walk back out the door. Um, yeah. I think that 
on a personal for me, the the frozen coming in there, frozen's not Norway. That's me. That's how I feel. Is it a Norwegian vibe to it? Yeah, fine. Um, Arendelle's not Norway. I really liked, I enjoy taking my kids there as a dad and going to the countries to, to get a little vibe of what the country's like. I think that when you go in there and you're watching a movie about that country, that's really cool. That's Epcot to me. Comes back to being Epcot to me. Going to the, going in the American Adventure, Epcot to me. If they change that and put a bunch of, you know, the Mickey Mouse, the new Mickey Mouse review in there, my brains will fall out the side of my head. I flip <laughs> out. So that is kind of like that's where, well, on a Norwegian level, putting the Frozen in there is that was my only beef with it. And I think some people have that beef, but. Am I the exception to the rule? I don't know. I'm I'm the hardcore Disney fan, but what percentage of me is there going to Disney World every year? I think it's a small percent. But I thought I'd like that, you know, Disney can't always cater to us. People freak out, but Disney is doing the D23 events like Lou was saying, the smaller take you back history events, that's catering to us. There has to be a give and take there. And that's just my view on it. Well, right. I can't so. wait to take my stepfather there, who is second generation, pure Norwegian, and just put him on whatever is going to occur and say, this is Norway, right? And see what happens. This <laughs> is Norway. <laughs> no, this is Norway. You don't know what you're talking about. This is get, up, get right in his face about it, too. You know, it's, uh, it, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to you're not going to be able to please everybody all the time. And as much all as right. you might try... You know, yeah. you have to try and please as moats as many of the people as possible. And I think based and I think from a purely business perspective, taking everything else, take emotion out of the equation no as doubt. much as you I can. If you're on the board of directors, you say, hey, do we keep this attraction open or do we bring in this thing where people are lining up to see two characters for six hours? Like, where do yep. people really want to spend their time and, event, and up? And as a shareholder, you have to say. And eventually, where do they want to spend their money as well? But I don't want to get into a, a maelstrom thing. I want to move forward a little bit more. Talk about some of the things uh, as the year comes to a close. Disney Springs, we're starting to see a lot more happening. The food truck park opens. The parking garage, amen, finally opens. Okay. We hear that Art of Shaving and Baby Cakes is going to be coming back to Disney Springs, which makes a lot of people very, very happy. Uh, Frozen, as long as we're speaking about it, uh, their holiday wish, castle lighting, fireworks display, you know, again, I, I said um, I, I did an interview with Fox News or whatever it was, and it was about the, the frozen phenomenon. And I said, look, I think people and this is sort of goes to what we talked about before. I think people may be sort of focusing their attention on the wrong things. Stop. I think we need to look at the little girl that's on her that's mm -hmm. in her Elsa dress on her father's shoulders. And he's crying and she's crying because Elsa's lighting up the castle like that's what it's about. Like, don't look at the attractions and, and the the. the the bottom line dollar figures, look at the responses of the guests. Uh, a couple of things, too. We saw that the great movie ride is going to be updated as Disney forms a relationship with Turner Classic Movies. I've already started to see what they have been putting on in terms of Disney programming on uh, the, the TCM network, which I totally dig. I like some of the original Disneyland stuff. I just watched Davy Crockett and uh, the making of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So I like the fact that there's that cool type of crossover. Uh, all of you who ran in the Wine and Dine Marathon should have gotten two medals because it was an absolute <laughs> monsoon. And if you're out there cheering, you should get three. <laughs> uh, we went out to Disneyland. I surprised a family for a trip for Avengers Marathon Weekend. I love, love, love that 
place. I love that park. I, really, really well done run Disney event in terms of the, the, the setup for it. Uh, the number of people that were doing it, just really, really well done. I, I, I tweeted it out, and I, I applaud the people at One Disney for how well that was put together. Um, I mentioned. I was, the f- wait. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I was just thrilled with the number of Thors that were running around. Oh, it was pretty right. cool. That's just pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I mentioned Settle the, down, the, Becky. <laughs> you know, they had the, the D23 fan anniversary in, in October. The Destination D, I sort of got it confused, was, was actually in uh, November in terms of having those legends and having the real, you know, Tony Baxter could have gotten up and talk, spoken for two days and it would nobody would have complained, nor would they have it left their amazing. seat. And kudos to you, D23, for ending the night and ending the weekend with that Pleasure Island party and bringing out the Comedy Warehouse troupe and bringing out the original Adventurers Club cast, you absolutely gave people what they were secretly hoping for in terms of, you know what, we you appreciate these guys, we appreciate you too, and we want to give everybody a chance to sort of see each other one more time. So uh, I, I was very, very happy to see how that was done. Um, in December... Let's quickly go through and then sort of recap the year and look forward to 2015. Uh, some people were surprised. Some people were sad with the new finale for the Illuminations holiday tag. As you know, Walter Cronkite uh, no longer does the tag. It's now Mary Thompson Hunt. But before you get mad, she actually did the original uh, Illuminations pre-show announcements. And she was also part of the Comedy Warehouse. So Disney sort of keeping it, you know, still in the family. Uh, the My Disney Experience app continues to improve one bit of note. You can now actually purchase your park tickets right from the app as well. So now you no longer need to go up to the vacation planners and stand in line. You can actually do it right from your phone. I wonder in 2015 and beyond just how much more that app is going to continue to be able to do. Meg Crofton, the president of Walt Disney World, announces she's going to retire next June. Uh, looking forward, Bob Iger, who, as you know, I, I dig, uh, hints a lot about what is coming to Avatar. More importantly, he hints about the new Star Wars attractions that we know are coming. We've been speculating are coming to Disney's Hollywood Studios, possibly Disneyland. And he says, you know, look, we waited because we wanted to make these attractions about this new film. And obviously, you know, the uh, the Star Wars Rebels, I don't know if anybody had, had seen, came out in October Really, really well done on Disney XD. So that's Star Wars. Really good. Yeah, like it's, it's a, really they're, good. They're really sort of priming the pump, especially for younger kids. Geeks. That is the stop it. My kids, <laughs> right. my kids it's, are geeks. No, too. it's it's a cartoon that I can watch yeah. with my kids and actually enjoy. You know, it's there's it's there's not a lot of that going on today. I sit there. And I, I enjoy watching it, nerding out a Very little true. bit. Yeah, it, Very it's true. Yeah, it's not like the droids cartoon from the, from the, no. the early 80s. Uh, Trattoria Alforno opens on the boardwalk. The Polynesian Lobby opens. Again, folks, give it time. It's not finished yet. It's going to be beautiful when it's finished. And, and you know, I like the open air. I, I like what the changes that are coming to the Polynesian. Um, back at Disney's Hollywood Studios, again, depending on what side of the fence you're on, the Sorcerer's Hat is coming down uh, in uh, in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Chinese Theater. We don't know. I mean, it literally is coming down as we are recording. We don't know if it's going to be dismantled or maybe put back together and put in the front of the park or somewhere else in the park, which would kind of eBay uh, make sense. Yeah, we're going to sell it's that on hat. eBay. <laughs> John Stamos, on it, Lou. John Stamos <laughs> bought the Disneyland sign. He's now uh, going to go and get the Sorcerer's Hat. He beat hat. me for a Dumbo, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I tried to buy a Dumbo and John Stamos won it. Pissed me off. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and by the way, also Disneyland, a, a Guardians of the Galaxy reference too. Um, STK Orlando, the steakhouse is coming to Disney Springs. Speaking of Disney movies, by the way, I finally, because I was late to the game, saw Big Hero 6. And what I, were you been waiting for? I know. I love the movie's it. awesome. The movie is awesome. Ba la 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 la. I totally dig. <laughs> <laughs> Becky has no idea what we're talking about. I Haven't love see it, Becky. Harry baby. It yet, no. <laughs> what? You know what? Disney. Like what? It jumped out a window. Disney is. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Disney is. It, it, they've got um, the 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 Pixar magic, right? And what I mean by that is. What they have been releasing has been home run after home run after home run after home run. It's like they can do no wrong in terms of the movie making. And as we start to look to 2015, I want to talk about um, what's coming. Uh, just a couple of quick, as we sort of look back overall, and I want to sort of mention um, a couple of WWE Radio things. We hit a couple of WWE Radio milestones. Um, we had 4,000 blog posts. I want to thank all the blog writers and Christy and everybody who sort of make that happen. We've got 30 or so people on the writing team that puts out a, a boatload of content. Like, we probably post four or five times a day. Um, I didn't even know until after it happened and somebody told me that we hit more than a million posts in our discussion forums. We Our discussions forums have been going since 2004. We have a million posts. Still a lot of activity going on there as well. Uh, we also have nearly 500 runners as part of the WW Radio running team, many of whom are flying in from snowy parts of the United States and overseas right now to run in Marathon Weekend. So I'm grateful to all of you who are part of the team, who cheer, who write, who read, who comment, who like, who share, everything else. Uh, I, I appreciate all that you have done for WW Radio um, in this past year. So before we look to 2015, I want to take a quick look back at some of the things maybe as we quickly, relatively so, recapped 2014. I want to talk about maybe a sort of a, a, an overall look at it. And this is kind of what I take away from 2015. And as I'm going, maybe sort of think about the one thing that you take away from 2014. I think that 2014, when we look back in history, is going to be the year that um, the groundwork was sort of being laid. And what I mean by that is that there was a lot, there was a lot of news in Disney Springs, right? That we know the changes that are happening there. And 2014 is going to be the year that we look back is when all these changes were happening. There's a lot of, you know, people say, oh, you know, there's so much going on at Disneyland and they're building. There's a lot happening. There, were, there was a lot happening over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And I also think, and this is purely me speculating, that some of the minor changes that are happening in Tomorrowland may be hinting to bigger things that are yet to come. The closures that we're seeing in Disney's Hollywood Studios, I think that me that means new things, that big things are very much on the way. And when we look back on this year, five years from now, we're going to say, oh, now I see why they changed the paint scheme. Now I see why they closed this. Now I see why they moved this, because they have a long-term five-year, seven-year, ten-year plan in, in terms of what is going on. So if you guys had to take away one thing from this past year, Becky, then Tony, what would your takeaway be? Well, you just kind of nailed, because as we were going through all of this, what I wrote down was the theme for 24 was change, that was setting a foundation for exciting things to come. I think that it's it's difficult to accept change to begin with, but it's easier if you know what's coming 
but we don't know. We don't have all those details. Somebody does. It's been greenlit and it's on a desk somewhere and, and funds have been appropriated for it. We just don't know what those things are. And I think once those details do come out, then we're going to understand. Like you said, it, it's it's going to become exciting and people are going to say, you know, while I miss that and it's something that I'd love to see again, I'm really looking forward to this. And now this is the thing that I want to come back and see every year. So I, I think this is all just a um, change and a setup for the things to come was 2014. You know, I think it may sound a little corny when I say it, but every ending is a new beginning. And for me, the the new fantasy land was the big thing that I was looking forward to. There was a lot of other stuff going on. Disney did a lot of things during the past few years that I really excited about, but that was the biggest thing. That's what I, I, I couldn't wait to see when they announced it. I, you can't imagine how long it's going to be for 2014, but now that kind of wrapped up and it's incredible. I love it. It's a reality now, which is amazing. And now you have, the Disney Springs coming and Avatar and all of these other little leaked things we're starting to hear about something big in Star Wars. For me, that's that's huge. I mean, Star Wars is like a religion growing up. I'm building my own droid. I mean, I am the epitome of the Star Wars nerd. But it's like all of these things that are coming. I feel like it's is it, you know, the next Disney renaissance. How's that? Is that corny, too? You know, I mean, there's like a lot happening, man. And it's cool. That's what I think 2014 yeah. going into 2015 is. It's this huge – I think that we're just going to – I'm looking forward to being everything from pleasantly surprised to blown away. I don't know where it's going to fall. Somewhere in between maybe, one of those extremes. But for me, that's what 2014 was. It kind of wrapped up this really big thing and it's it, we're on to the next big thing that I'm looking forward to. I agree with you. And as I start thinking about – 2015, I sort of have it broken down into sort of two or three sides of things. And, and from the Disney's perspective, I'm really looking forward to the D23 Expo. And I say that because Becky and I basically start counting down from the D to the D23 Expos when the last one finishes two years ago. So we're going to have another booth again at the Expo this year. And I'm excited not just to have a booth there and to live broadcast and do all that, but I'm excited as, because look, I'm a fan first. I think this expo is going to be able to do a lot of what they did in the first because I ex expect, look, this is going to be the year of Star Wars. Call it what it is. They start off with yeah. Star Wars weekend. Oh, yeah. They've got the Star Wars celebration a, a few weeks earlier in Anaheim. But I think this is, and, and I hope Disney delivers on this, this is the right time, the right place, not just to whet the appetite for the film coming out at the end of the year, but to say, okay, guys, you've been thinking about it. It's been rumors. We hinted to it last time at the D23 Expo about Star Wars coming to the parks. We held off on it because we want to wait for The Force Awakens. We're going to give you guys a little taste of what's coming. Maybe we get the announcement of what may be coming. And I'm not just excited about the Star Wars film in December, but, you know, as a Disney fan, I'm a Marvel fan, too. I'm a, I am love the Disney films. You know, there are 12 or so Disney films coming out this year. Ant-Man, Age of Ultron, Inside Out looks brilliant from Pixar. Oh, yeah. Cinderella, awesome. Jungle Book, the Tomorrowland movie. Come on, yeah. man. Good Dinosaur. Even the Disney nature film Monkey Kingdom. Like, you know, you've got 9 to 12 potential home runs again 
they're going to get people excited, going to get people back into the theaters. And I think to that point and how it leads into Walt Disney World is I think the handwriting is clearly on the wall. It's not, you know, that far-fetched for me to say, I think Star Wars and Pixar is going to be coming to Disney's, Disney's Hollywood Studios. I think at some point we are going to get a Tomorrowland update, which who you never know, might actually tie into the film of the same name that is coming out this yeah. year. <laughs> it just might happen to, to fall into play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, on the resort side, who knows? Maybe this is the year. Look, we see how well the Grand Floridian Disney Vacation Club is doing, how well the Disney Vacation Club as a whole continues to do. The Polynesian bungalows look spectacular. Becky Mankin, we need to do a week-long show from there. <laughs> you know, maybe this is the year that we start hearing more or the idea of the Fort Wilderness Disney Vacation Club Resort starts to come back up once again. Who knows? So You mean the Villa Resorts, right? Correct. I am okay. excited. As I say this every year, I'm excited about the things that I don't know are coming as yet. Speaking about things that don't know are coming. Nice segue, Lou. I'm excited about the things that you, I'm pointing to you, the listener, and you, Becky Mankin, don't know. Uh, there has been oh, something geez. that I have been thinking about and planning and tweaking and working on for months that I am looking to launch probably this week for you, the WW Radio listener, um, that will uh, start strong and hopefully continue to grow and evolve and something for what? us all to uh, dun, enjoy. Dun, dun. Listen, you got to wait for the announcement. Maybe I'll make it for the box people on this live Wednesday night show, which I look to continue to do and expand uh, in, uh, in 2015. 2014, I've seen my personal kind of growth. I don't just mean my waste personal growth, but uh, beyond sort of the Disney things, I've been doing a lot in terms of the speaking and the consulting and the podcasting. And I launched my podcasters mastermind groups and one-on-one and -on -one mentoring. And I'm really, really enjoying being able to share this medium that I am so passionate about and this idea of trying to help people do what they love full time and take that passion and hopefully turn it into their profession. So there's a lot going to be going on on sort of the LouMangelo.com side of things that I haven't uh, necessarily announced as yet, as well as on the WW Radio side of things. So I am looking for 2015 to be the biggest and best year yet, not just as a Disney fan, but as a content creator and, it, and uh, you know, in, in my personal and, and business life as well. And so, Becky Mankin, what's that thing or things you are looking forward to uh, in 2015? You mean besides the hoverboards and the shoes that lace us themselves? We hey, listen. We did kind of get. We I just did an interview the other day, and I told like we were talking about uh, Back to the Future. We did kind of get the phone. Remember the phone glasses? Yes. Marty McFly's ugly sister. We got. we got Google Glass. I mean, nobody uses it anymore, but for a little while we got Google Glass. So a hoverboard. I'm all I'm all in the hoverboard. I, I would think you would wind see, up in the hospital on a hoverboard. <laughs> You'd buy it and then you leave can it barely in the negotiate box. solid ground, and she wants a hoverboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and of course I am I, I think I'm with you and I well, there's there's three things you know I can only I can't just pick just one the cruise to Alaska uh, selfishly is one of the things that I'm looking forward to most because Alaska to me is out of all the cruises I've done it's my favorite cruise itinerary and I can't wait to share this location that I live in because people always look at me and say why why do you live in Seattle because you're in Orlando all the time you should just move here. This natural beauty that's up here in the Pacific Northwest in Alaska is just intoxicating, and I can't wait to share that with everybody. So that's one of the big things. 
obviously the expo, because I'm right there with you. That's when we're going to see and hear probably the confirmations of all the things that we were speculating. And we will speculate between now and August. But I'm excited to hear it become official and see um, storyboards and see artist renderings and all the things that we saw last time when they were talking about what was coming. And we were all salivating <laughs> about what could possibly be happening next. And, and again, this is all about what's next. And I think third is um, just around the corner. We're going to break that sweaty hug count, I think. For Probably. I got to figure out what I'm going to do for that one. I haven't, I haven't decided yet. Oh, no. Fourth, I'm looking forward to that promise you made me to give me the list of all the things that I don't know. Well, you'll hear about one of them when I launch <laughs> next week. So stay tuned to, uh, if you tune into the box on Wednesday nights at www.radiolive.com, 7.30 Wednesdays, or Twitter or Facebook or the newsletter, you will find out what uh, what just one of the things I have planned <laughs> for 2014 is. So uh, I, I'm very, very, very excited about, uh, about launching this. And look, as I am want to do, not just uh, around Thanksgiving time and at the end of the year, but I am a, I, I am... I'm grateful more than ever uh, to you, the listener, my friend, whether we have met yet or not, um, for allowing me to do what I do, for taking the time to tune in each and every week. Uh, 2014 has been an incredible year on a lot of fronts, and it is wholly uh, due to you, and uh, you're, uh, you're allowing me to share my passion for Disney through this podcast and, and so many other different mediums. And uh, for that, I am incredibly and eternally grateful. Um, I would not have the life that I have had it not been for you. I'm also grateful for the friendship of Tony Caggiano and in a very small, weird kind of way, Becky Mankin from MEI Aww, and MouseFanTravel.com. Really? Listen, I couldn't, you know. <laughs> That's I gotta, how you were on such a good roll. <laughs> you, were, you were on such a good roll, and I was feeling nice and warm and fuzzy and everything, and then duh, you just I know, did that. I and got myself, all honest. I, it did. <laughs> I felt myself getting all kind of weepy and things like that, so I had to just smack myself out of it. So, no, listen, <sighs> I, I, I love you guys. Becky and Tony, and I love you, the listener, and I don't throw, throw that word around lightly, but uh, I do. I, I would not be sitting in front of the microphone and looking forward to the year that we are about to have were it not for you. So um, it'll be interesting to look back next year at this time and see how incredibly wrong our predictions may be <laughs> um, and if Frozen is still really a thing or not. And I have a question for you, the listener. I want you to tell me what did what do you think was the most important event or announcement or new addition or closure from 2015? And more importantly, tell me what are you most looking forward to? Or what do you think is going to happen in 2015? You can tweet me at Lou Mangello, Facebook.com slash WW Radio. Call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts and your predictions going forward. So uh, guys, thank you so, so very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Happy to be here, and I can't. We should. We should actually set a thing on the calendar to listen to this episode before we do it again next year. I. What I would like to do is I want to go back and listen to my recaps from like 2010 and see not just how Ooh. bad I sounded, but just how incredibly wrong I was. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. Why don't we do that at the anniversary? We could do just back-to-back episodes. That's listening. right. Eighth anniversary coming up in just a few weeks. It's full bonus. Uh oh. Uh oh. Camping. It's not going to be camping. It's, not, it's, it's, I don't, it's, not gonna it's be a camping. cabin, woman. It's not a kid. <laughs> it's camping to me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Just saying, what?
Yes. Food and fun and friends and food. Hair dryer. And fire. Food. And it's going to be a good time. Electricity, heat, friends. <laughs> or air conditioning since it's January oh. 4th and it's like 97 degrees outside. So. Oh, don't tell me that. It's supposed to be only like 60. What, what, do, you, what, what, do, you, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week. We invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details in what you see or maybe even in what you hear inside the Disney parks. You can then enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I was in a retro Epcot kind of mood as we were talking about 1986 at Walt Disney World. And I was talking specifically about Captain EO and how the current incarnation of the show has the made-for-TV special The Making of Captain EO as part of the pre-show. That was directed by Muffet Kaufman, and your question last week was to tell me who is the host of that special. Again, thanks and congratulations to the hundreds of you who entered and got this one correct last week because you knew that Whoopi Goldberg interviewed the cast and the crew and the producers of the film. I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one. You were playing for all six of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, a copy of my 102 Ways to Save Money at Walt Disney World book, and a mystery gift from my personal collection. I pulled out some of the things that I'm listing up on eBay. going to send you that as well. So our winner last week is... Yale Rosario. So, Yale, congratulations. Please send me your address. I'll get your package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, thanks for playing, but don't worry, because here's your next opportunity to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, this week's question is very simple. One of my favorite classic attractions in Walt Disney World is the Jungle Cruise, and all you need to tell me this week is... What are the names of the two crocodiles your Jungle Cruise skipper points out along your journey? You have until Sunday, January 11th at 11.59 p.m. to email your answer to contest at www.radio.com. Again, this week you're playing for copies of all my virtual audio walking tours of the parks and a copy of my 102 Ways to Save Money for an at Walt Disney World book. So good luck and have fun. That is going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. A couple of quick announcements. I am purging, again, some more of my Disney collection and want to share it with you. So I'm listing a ton of items every week on eBay. My seller's name is Second Star Media, or you can just go to www.radio.com slash eBay. Items include everything from theme park merchandise to documents, books, pins, artwork, Vinylmations. This week I have a ton of Vinylmations and my entire collection of die-cast attraction vehicles from the parks. I'll also be listing some more of my other geeky things from Star Wars and Star Trek and who knows whatever else I'll find in my garage and closets. Again, auctions start every Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit www.radio.com slash eBay to check out all the listings. Uh, I also said on the recap that if you are thinking about starting a podcast and maybe you want to build your brand or business through podcasting, or if you have a podcast 
and you want some help turning your passion into your profession, I would love to help. Visit lumangelo.com slash mastermind and learn about my next mastermind group, which is launching this month, and just a few spots are left there, or how I can work with you one-on-one, how to consult with your business. You can also find out more about booking me to speak at your conference, to your business, or at your school. Again, check it all out over at lumangelo.com. I also hinted that something new is coming, and I'm finally ready to launch something that I've been thinking about and planning and tweaking and working on for months I hope it's something that you will enjoy and support. And I'm going to reveal what it is during this week's WDW Radio live broadcast on Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. You can watch and chat. Normally, we talk about this week's Walt Disney World news. You can discuss it with us in the chat room and then stay. Ask me anything in the lightning round. Again, I'm also going to talk about what this new project is that I've been working on. Really excited to share that with you. Also, visit WDWRadio.com for our blog, newsletter, discussion forums, free mobile app, and lots more. If you have a question you want answered on the show, you can email me, lou at WDWRadio.com, or call the voicemail, 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-9391. You can call with a question, a comment, or a hello from the parks. Or if you're at your desktop computer, just click on the Send Lou a Voicemail button at the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. You can leave me a voicemail right through your computer's microphone. Please also follow me over on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello. Facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello is my personal profile. You can follow me there or like the WW Radio page over at Facebook.com slash WW Radio. And as much as I love connecting with you online, nothing, my friends, beats a handshake and a hug. And that's why I do Meets of the Month every month in Walt Disney World, as well as other special events and on-the-road events. Our next Meet of the Month is this weekend, during Marathon Weekend. It's Saturday, January 10th, from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Tomorrowland Terrace. You may know it as the Noodle Station in Magic Kingdom. For more information and to find out about other events, visit the events page over at www.radio.com. Anyone and everyone is welcome and invited to that and all the events. Next month, we will be celebrating the 8th anniversary of WDW Radio with a day of fun and friends and, of course, food at Fort Wilderness. That is going to be Saturday, February 7th. Tickets are going to go on sale this week. Watch WW Radio Live Wednesday at 7.30 for details. And again, to find out more about this and any of the other events, visit the events page at www.radio.com or the events page on facebook.com slash Radio. Thanks again to Becky Mankin from MouseFanTravel.com for joining me this week. If you want a free, no-obligation quote, whether you're coming to World, Land, Cruise, Adventures by Disney, wherever it may be, she and her team will give you the best possible prices, all available discounts, all at no cost to you. Again, they are over at MouseFanTravel.com. And if you want to get a little bit of Disney magic delivered right to your door, visit CelebrationsPress.com and order Celebrations Magazine. As always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, All I ask is that if you like the show, please, please help spread the word. Now more than ever, tweet out that you're listening. Come by, comment, share links over on Facebook, and please come and review the show over on iTunes. We have more than 930 reviews. Would love if we can get to 1,000 five-star reviews. I want to thank Jordan M. Becker and Chad Williams, 7777, for their most recent reviews on iTunes. For a direct link and instructions on exactly how to rate and leave a review for the show, you can visit www.radio.com slash iTunes. And finally, I want to thank you again for not just an amazing year in 2014, but your continued support and friendship. And I want you to not just have a happy new year, 
I want you to make a happy new year for yourself. The best is yet to come, and it may be a slow process, but quitting is never going to speed it up. So take your time, do what you love, and always have faith and keep moving forward. And if there's ever any way that I can help you, please let me know. Have a great week, everybody. So until next time, see ya. Lou, I've been listening to your show for weeks. Um, it's actually almost been a month, and I have listened, I think, like 150, 200 shows. Um, I listen on my way back and forth to work. I listened to the show on a six-hour road trip the other day. <clears throat> well, 12-hour down the road trip back. Um, and uh, I just I, – I, I love it, man. I, I, I first visited uh, the world in December 2013. I loved it so much. I took myself, my girlfriend, and my sister to the world in June 2014, and I think we're going back this June. Um, I discovered your show just in November, so I didn't even know about all the cool stuff that um, that, that that you you you've told everybody, all the listeners. Uh, you know, I heard it after after my trip, so I'm looking forward to implementing the stop and smell the roses and checking out all the cues. Just just like I mean, I've checked them out. I've looked at them because I've been there when the lines were long. I've been there on New Year's Eve, and I've looked at the cues, and, and they're great. Um, hey Lou, this is Richie Manana from um, Westfield, New Jersey. Uh, I don't know what the record is for sending in a voicemail for a show, but I just listened to the one that came out today about an hour ago. And um, I have a quick memory about 86. Um, I was eight or nine years old, and my family didn't go to Disney until 88, but I was begging my parents since I was about four or five to go. And um, in 86, I remember on the Wonderful World of Disney, there was a, a special, like sort of a Living Seas, you know, the making of the Living Seas kind of special, starring John Ritter from Three's Company. And, like, there were some musical acts like Duran Duran and Olivia Newton-John and they had a special appearance by the guy who found the Titanic. Um, it's just one of those memories that I remember very, very vividly, and I remember watching it and just, just being absolutely enthralled and amazed. And it's just yet another thing that uh, got me hooked on Disney and made me beg to go uh, even even harder. So I just wanted to share that. Um, the 80s were a good time for Disney. I remember Captain EO and all that stuff, but I specifically remember the Living Seas special. Uh, that was just a real, uh, a real cool thing. And I think we even taped it on our VHS recorder, and I watched it probably a billion times. Um, you can find it, by the way, if you search on YouTube. Somebody posted it on there, and it's pretty cool to see. Um, that's about it. I just wanted to thank you for the great Wayback Machine episode, and I love reminiscing about the 80s. And one thing you missed, though, about 86, it's the last time the Mets won the World Series. All right, thanks for all you do, Lou. Love the show as always. Bye. Hello, Lou Mangiello. It's Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York. Happy New Year, and we're in 2015. We are now 149 days away from our WDW Radio Alaska cruise. I am very, very excited, as you can all tell. I just have bronchitis, so my voice isn't very good, so I couldn't call yesterday because I didn't have a voice, so at least I have one right now. So I'm going to keep this really sweet and short. Um, I have started to research on excursions, and I've talked to uh, friends that told me to bring binoculars on the cruise ship with me. So with my veranda room, I can at least look at the stuff that's outside as we're traveling by and see further. So we're polishing up those binoculars that we use to see the birds in the backyard. 
Everybody have a magical, healthy new year. It's 2015, and let's all think positive, and let's all hope for peace on earth. Love all you guys. You've got a friend.